Time for more Scott Weinberg on the law on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, criminal attorney Scott Weinberg. Welcome back to Crime Time Live. I am your host, Scott Weinberg. We're talking about, you know, we got talking about the uh, the famous and the celebrities and the kind of special, I guess special privileges that they seem to get across this country and sort of went into a conversation about who really should have influence, not just on the courts, but on our laws. And we we're talking about how corporations, you know, they, they do pay for influence. We need some of that, right? They they pay for investigations and they pay for um, uh, testing that we normally wouldn't be able to do or we would have to use federal funds to do. So I guess there's there are benefits to have lobbyists lobby for proper laws. And then the question is, though, who gets that type of privilege? Who benefits from that? Is it the stockholders of the corporations or is it the uh, the individuals and those are things that you really got to think about for yourself is it worthwhile having individuals or corporations have influence with our legislatures but I want to get back to the I want to get back to our original question because I think it affects us every day when we read the news I mean whether you look at what happened with Kwame and how he was really I think treated especially until he ended up going to prison. I mean, there are so many people that wouldn't have been treated like that, allowed to live in a different state, just basically given the type of uh, wide-ranging freedom that Kwame was given while he's on probation. And then you look at all the different people in the country. You look at Charlie Sheen, who uh, served uh, basically jail, and now he's in home arrest in a rehab center in Malibu. Or you have Lindsay Lohan, who, you know, she was supposed to get 90 days in jail, and she was released after a very short time so she could serve it in a uh, in a rehab facility. I get that question all the time. I've represented thousands of people, thousands of people, that most of them, I'd say 90% of them or more, never see one day in jail. But you don't hear about those. You don't hear about the individual that doesn't actually get incarcerated who's not famous. You hear about the celebrity, whether they went to jail or not. And then when they go to jail, do you ever hear that they lived out their sentence? Of course not. Because they are treated specially. They are given special privileges. The judges can't seem to be as dominant or as tough on celebrities as they are in individuals. I Listen, I don't care whether or not you agree with me or not. Give me a call, 248-848-1130. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that people with influence, tell me that corporations, tell me that individuals that have celebrity status are not treated differently by judges. Tell me that's wrong. You give me, you give me a reason to show that they are treated even worse. And I'll, and I'll agree with you. Oh yeah, you can sit there and say that Kwame didn't get boot camp. But you know what? Many people don't get boot camp. You can sit there and say that Charlie Sheen actually had to go do a little time 
but he didn't serve any bit of time that he normally would have if he was sitting in uh, sitting in Oakland County Jail or sitting up there in Genesee County. Oh, maybe in Wayne County because they got no room for anybody. But that's beside the point. That's that's a function of money and taxes and lack of space, not a function of celebrity status. So believe me, Lindsay Lohan got out, not because they were overcrowded at the jail, although, quite frankly, it might have cost a lot of money to, you know, giving her her pedicures and manicures while she's eating off her tray with slop on it in the Orange Hotel there in Beverly Hills. But that is not why she got out. She got out because her lawyer got back in front of that judge and got her into rehab center. So you want to be able to have special privileges, you got to get an attorney that's going to be able to argue with the judge and be able to work the system, not just sit in jail waiting for someone to release you. You can call me at 248-848-1130 if you want to talk about that, you want to talk about anything else. One of the things that we one of the things that we really were talking about in California can you believe what happened with that? I mean, if you're not familiar with Proposition 8, it's basically that the gays are allowed to get married and then they voted it out. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Can you imagine someone invalidating your marriage? You know, I've been married for 20-something years, and all of a sudden, a judge is going to say, nah, you know, we don't allow that kind of marriage anymore. And it's invalidated. Or at least they can't get married anymore. So they obviously have now an appeals court judge, a federal judge, that is halting that denial of people's rights. But he's, but right now, he put a moratorium on his own decision. He stopped the influence of his own decision until it can be appealed. It's, it's crazy what's going on in California. And that's our next question of the day. Should gays be allowed to break the current California law and get married until this Proposition 8 is finally decided? Should people be allowed to break the law that they feel is immoral or unjust? Call me, 248-848-1130. 248-848-1130. We've got uh, Charles. What can I do for you, Charles? We lost Charles. I'm, I'm calling about uh, got the comparison between... Uh celebrities being put in jail and released early compared to, say, maybe the average Joe. What do you think? Do you think that happens or it should happen? I think that, uh, according to the law, if you are convicted, uh, you should be subject to the exact uh, portion of the law required by the law, regardless of what your status may be. Yeah, but do you think that actually happens or that's the way it should happen? Uh, I think that's how it should happen. But, of course, we see through the media every day uh, that it doesn't. Right. I mean, can For you give me, what did you think would happen with Kwame? Do you think that they covered it, that he got what he deserved? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. From the very beginning, though, because from the very beginning, I mean, let's face it, it wasn't the most, I mean, I've represented people for 20 years that have done way more serious things than Kwame, yeah. and the judges treat them harsher until they violate probation. And that's where they get a lot of these guys. Okay, well, just like you were commenting, uh, Lindsay Lohan violated her probation also, but yet still she was treated uh, uh, differently. That's exactly right. So you got an example where Kwame violated probation, 
got sent into prison. Lohan did. She got a little time in jail, but then got let out to to uh, rehab. So maybe yeah. it's just the judge. Maybe an individual judge is influenced different than another. Then, uh, then apparently maybe the judges should be taken under consideration about how they actually, you know, uh, 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 administer the punishment. Well, that's more true. So, more so than just the, the individual person. Well, that's true. I mean, there's no way that you can have uniformity with uh, judges all over the country, whether it's in Detroit or whether it's in Beverly Hills. You just can't get that kind of uniformity. You know what I mean? We got Elaine. What do you want to say about that, Elaine? Elaine, can you hear me? Yes. Elaine, what do you want to say about that? Do you think judges are doing that? Do you think it's uniform or there should be some type of consistency between what they do in Detroit or in Beverly Hills or in uh, Nashville, Tennessee? The law is the law. You get 10 to 15, it's 10 to 15. I don't care who your name is, you know? Um, the thing is that what I wanted to say is I think the only one that's doing his time is, is dear old Charlie Manson. Uh, you know, I wonder what he would be doing today. Would he get, you know, 15 days, you know, 20 days? Uh, he really didn't kill anybody. I mean, he was a big speaker. He influenced a lot of people. Would he be walking out today? Good old, good old Charlie Manson dancing the Helter Skelter. Yeah, he, you know, he's, he's doing his time. He's doing his punishment. They won't let him out. But, uh, what about today? Would he be out? I mean, he's he, he's the only one doing his time. I, you know. Do you think he should get out? Oh no, no. I don't think I, if you did a crime and if you're doing your crime, you do your time. I, you know, I don't th- care if you're a billionaire. I don't care if you have a dollar. You break the law, you do your time. It's, well, well, that is true. Crazy. It should be you break the law, you mm-hmm. do the time. It always has been. If you can't do the time, don't right. do the crime, just like Beretta used to say. You exactly. Know what I mean? Take that to the bank. <laughs> but then again, what happens is every case is different. And what you see, and believe me, what I've seen over 20 years, every factual case is different. Just because someone is accused of a crime, just because someone has been, there's facts against him saying he did, doesn't mean that he is as evil as the papers or the media would represent. I mean, right. everybody has their own factual situation of what was going on. Some people feel that they have a, a self-defense, while the paper treats it as a crime of passion, and they have no self-defense, but they have some other reason they committed it. So until you get into the factual situation of any individual case, believe me, you don't know what that what should happen if that guy's convicted. But then when you get someone who's who's dead... Who's been murdered? Let me tell you something. The family of that victim—they don't care. They don't care what the reason that their family member is dead. They want justice, and that is what is affecting judges: is the victims or the complainants that are sitting there screaming for a different type of justice. They don't have a uniformity because there is no similarity between victims. You want to join our conversation? Call us at two four eight eight four eight. 1130. That's 248-848-1130. How you doing? What can I do for you? Uh, what can I do for you, Tom? Jake. Jake, how you doing? We lost Jake. Oh, uh, yes. Um, can you hear us, Jake? Yeah, I can hear you. Thank you. What do you got to say I, about that, Jake? Uh, I, was, I just want to comment that 
until until we straighten out, get a, a, a standard set of guidelines for sentencing, um, because it, it's not that it, it's not because you, you got money or not. It's that the judges don't have it, the, the judges don't 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 judge the same way on every on every case, uh, and, and and even in a jury, you know, when they say a jury of my peers. Uh, if I'm making five dollars and a person that's making a hundred thousand dollars is judging me, he's not my peer. I'm sorry. <laughs> you mean on, you mean on the jury? So you think there should be some kind of conformity or uniformity with the income of the defendant to the income or the class bracket of the jury? Um, that would be fair because if you say a person that's making a hundred thousand dollars to versus I'm making ten thousand dollars. And you say he, him, and I are, are, are under the same conditions? No, he looked at life totally different from me. Yeah, but then you're going to get into. I mean, I see that argument. That's not a terrible argument to have Why? the jury of your peers judging you. But if it's simply on criteria that you would choose, you can't have that around the country. You can't have uniformity like that. For instance. Let's say that you're a, you're you're African American. You only want an African American jury. That's not fair. What if you're a bl- a white person? Should you only have a white jury and you pick out only the people that you feel are your racial base? And you know that's obviously against our constitution, be against our Michigan constitution to do it. Do you believe well, that you should have that? Well, I don't believe in that that as a stand that as a standard. But if you look at a person. Who is economic? Uh, if you if you have a case uh, of stealing, you know, a person who is in an influ- influ- influential neighborhood versus a person that is in a uh, uh, neighborhood of low ca- caliber, uh, they're gonna look at stealing in a different light. That's for sure. And they're sure. gonna judge this person, that person, based on, hey, I think he's he or she is guilty. Let me hop uh, in. Let me hop in here really quick. Isn't that where the defense lawyer steps in and tries to dismiss jurors during the jury selection process, though. Right, and and, and but you still don't come. You can only dismiss so many. Yeah. Well, Denny Denny brings up a good point. That is exactly why they have what's called it's a Latin term. It's called voir dire, which only means basically question, question the people that are going to be judging my client, question the people that are in that jury box that are going to be trying to convict if you're a prosecutor. Listen, I used to be a prosecutor. And let me tell you, your interest of the kind of person that you want on that jury is so different than what the defense attorney wants and vice versa. Because a defense attorney, you want to be able to get someone who's going to listen to the story and and vote not guilty. That's what you want. As a prosecutor, you want someone that's going to listen to what you say and vote when they go in the jury room guilty. Oh, sure, they pretend like everybody's supposed to be fair. Like you got to have the most reasonable minds and the most fair decisions. No prejudice against either side. But you know what happens? It's exactly like, like you were saying, Jake. You come into the jury room. You come into that situation with your life experiences. You right. can't, you can't put out of your mind if you grew up in poverty. You can't put out of your mind if you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. And that is what attorneys try to poke and prod and only take the people that are willing to at least say that they're going to put aside their prejudices and try to judge it simply 
on the facts. And that is one of the most difficult things to do. And by no means is it a perfect process. I've done jury duty twice now, and I can tell you uh, that both times I stepped into the juror's room, uh, there were blatant, I, I will say this, there was a blatant racist in each case that made right. the jury because their mind was set before we even heard anything. And I'm like, you, you're kidding me. We we just wasted the whole jury selection process for this. We go behind closed doors, and you can see in the person's face, A, they don't want to be there, and B, their mind's already made up. And it's like, okay, well, then why are we going to listen to the whole you know, kick and caboodle for the next week. Yeah. And then you have, then you have people in a jury that are more dominant. So you have people that really don't have much life experiences that can help with the situation, but they're simply controlling people and they want to have their feelings that will control the rest of the jury. And you know, that's part of the process of being a good criminal lawyer and being a good prosecutor is knowing who you can select that's going to be in your in your side, on in your bandwagon. I mean that that is how the game is played in jurors. Hey Jake, thanks for calling. Thank one, you. One of the uh one of the main things that we want to be able to do is we want to be able to try to get people properly represented. I mean that's what we do in our criminal firm. That's what criminal lawyers do all across the country. You want to talk about it, you call me at two four eight eight four eight eleven thirty or you can call off online on talkzone.com where we're syndicated across this beautiful country of ours. 1-800-7100-LAW. That's 1-800-7100-529. Tom, what can I do for you today on Crime Time Live? Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I, I agree with the gist of what you're talking about. Um, it's um, uh, that uh, if the rich and powerful do have an advantage, and I'd like to add to that, 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 that part of that advantage is patience. I mean, if you uh, well, for instance, in Detroit, we, we passed a, a law that legalized gambling gambling houses. After what? We, we turned it down four or five times. Right? There's like three, four different elections where the people of Detroit said, we don't want gambling. Well, if you've got money, what you could just say is be patient. Well, we'll just keep running this up until we get our the, what we want. And uh, as far as the judges, you know, my, you know judges... You know, there's a lot of good, there are a lot of good judges that try to be fair. And, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the powerful or whatever, their, their, um, their plans backfire. I know a lot of Supreme Court justices that were put in there that were supposed to be conservative turned out to be independent and did a lot of, made a lot of decisions that were considered liberal. But, uh. Yeah, but I want to get back to what you said, because I really think that's important to know, is that, you know, you can have referendums, you can have support that corporations or some, let's say, wealthy entity wants to run an idea up the flagpole, whether it's gambling, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's medical marijuana, whatever it is, you can have support by either individuals that, that create a groundswell or corporations that want to have some type of law passed. And if it doesn't make it in one time period, if they are well-funded, if it's terms of corporations, or well-organized in terms of individual grassroots level, then they can bring it up in another time period. And right, over and over and over again. But isn't that, isn't that the way it should be, though? Where you, yeah, get, yeah, it, you get society yeah. that wants it a cer- doesn't want it a certain time, but society changes over time. The, the thing, well, it gets, it gets, it's like it's social engineering. See, the, and the disadvantage that the rich and powerful, the advantage that they have over regular people that regular people can't, because of their diffuse, powerful, that the power is diffuse, 
And, like, if I wanted to get something done as a peon, I'd have to get together with, like, thousands or hundreds of thousands of other peons to, to affect some kind of change. If I'm talking to you, if I'm a billionaire, on the other hand, I can affect change with just signing off checks, and I can make people, I can condition people into thinking the way I want to think. Well, that's true, but that's, that is, like you say, that is getting off of the ages. I mean, that is something that's been going on since the beginning yeah. when when people started making any kind of money and, and being able to have influence, whether it's in old England or whether it's here in the country. It's, For sure. It's where the rich can always get some type of influence. But, you know, I want to get back. To, so when you have a wealthy individual who's charged with the crime, do you think that they get off that crime more often because they get a decent lawyer or they've got money to influence and therefore they're not going to get convicted? Yes, and oftentimes the rich or powerful, they rub shoulders with the same judges. Or the, the, the judges often have drinks with these rich people, and, you know, they're just not inclined to to, to rule or be, uh, um, you know, to, they're inclined to rule in their favor. Well, they un- they unfortunately, Tom, I think you're right. I think it is exactly that. I think that the the ones with the means always try to get more influence and therefore gain more um, pleasure. They gain more uh, benefit than the poor. It's just it's just the way it works. Yeah, and if, you, if you have the means to be able to uh, have some kind of influence, whether it's hire a decent lawyer like our firm or be able to uh, join a country club where you're talking to a judge, I don't, listen, you might argue with me that it's wrong, but I'm telling you, that is exactly what goes on, and not just in, in Michigan. Someone said Michigan is corrupt more than anything. It goes on all over the country, all over the world. And like you said, going back in the, in the antiquity, it's, just, it's been going on forever. Well, I can't believe, thanks for your call, Tom, I can't believe that people believe that everything is equal. I mean, it should be equal on this station, on this record. In our show, in my practice, I try to make it equal for people. But you get frustrated all the time when you see people that are being treated differently because they don't have means. I mean, it, it is just, it is rampant in every area of the law. You know, we had a question earlier about corporate influence and whether or not we should have that corporate influence here in Michigan. You know, we need, quite frankly, more money flown into Michigan. We really do. We have such a lack of corporate tax here in Michigan now because so many corporations are leaving. We need more money coming into Michigan. Yes, it's going to bring more lobbyists to come in into the Lansing. Yes, it means that there are going to be more uh, companies that are trying to gain benefit for their stockholders. But let me tell you something, what it also means. The more companies that come here and try to do business here and try to get better laws passed for corporate structures so that they can want to stay here, it brings jobs. And that's what we need in this state. We need jobs. I mean, it's totally off the subject of crime. But when you talk about should legislatures be influenced by companies, you better believe that those companies have to be in that state or need a benefit from that law for them to be given money. 
So if it means that they get some kind of influence, at least bring us some jobs. Bring us something here so that we bring more people to this state of Michigan. Because without that, I'm telling you right now, we got a lot of problems. You think that there's crime now? Oh, my goodness. You think there's crime now? Wait until we lose. Wait until we've got, instead of 15, 16% unemployment, wait until it's 40% unemployment like they're talking about in Detroit. Wait to wait till there's 40% unemployment in Oakland County. You see what kind of crime that's going to be occurring. That's why we need some type of influence. Let me go back really quick to the California thing you brought up a little while ago before you took these calls. Um, I'm not going to sit there and get into a political discussion is gay marriage right or wrong. But I will say that I feel sorry for those around the country that plan on getting married in California, had family and friends set to fly out there, had already booked the hall, the venue, and all that, and all of a sudden, everything's put on hold. What are they to do? I mean, that's a big financial commitment for those guys or girls. And that, I mean, I'm sure the lawyers and the judges weren't thinking about that when all you know this whole process went through and it was voted down. But for it to be effective immediately doesn't make any sense. There should have been some sort of a you know, a six-month period or something to allow the people that had stuff set up, you know, to, to plan appropriately. Well, they're only if there only is a way to have a lawsuit against the state based on your loss, your economic loss, because you you actually made a wedding and then they changed the law or that the judge ruled a certain way and stopped you from being able to go and have your event. I can tell you one thing. I can tell you that the states are never going to lose in terms of a lawsuit with that. The question is, is it right or wrong to be able to stop people's rights from doing what they want that was legal on one day and the next day because of a arbitrary decision that changed their rights? I mean, you can even say it in more extreme measures. I mean, even if you bring in abortion, one day that it's legal, the next day it can be illegal. And I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, one of the things that is not fair, and we had a caller earlier talking about it, is is it fair that one judge can make a decision, whether it's about a crime, whether it's about a, a certain interpretation of a law, or whether or not another judge can make another decision about the same factual situation, but interprets it differently. And that is what we have in this country called stare decisis. You have the higher courts making decisions that control the lower courts and the lower judges. So when you talk about Prop 8, you talk about California stopping people from being able to have their affairs in the way they want, the events of their wedding in the way they want. Does it mean that it's right or wrong? And my personal belief is it's ridiculous that until you have the final decision that you stop people's rights from being uh, from being enforced, and that's exactly what that's exactly what we had in California, and that's exactly what's going on. You know, we're joined here by Murray. Hey, Murray, how you Hi. doing? How you doing, Scott? Murray's coming up after Again, us on eleven thirty. It's good to talk to you. Thank you. What you had a you had a question regarding? Well, you Tony got my attention. Driving. You got my attention on the street listening. To well, you. if I get your attention, I tell you that's a good thing. <laughs> Probably one of the best shows I've heard in a long what's time. What's your question, Murray? Question is, they changed the law several years ago to make three DUIs a felony. 
Yeah. DUIs, you mean drunk driving. Drunk driving. We don't call them DUIs, just so you know here. We what call, do you them call them OWIs. OWIs. Operating while intoxicated. Okay. This is a fancy phrase for saying drunk driving. Don't you think that that messes up a lot of young people that have, that have obviously gotten those tickets or off the road for five years? Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. It's a felony that if they haven't hurt anybody or if they haven't caused damage yeah. and they, they go into rehab and now they're a felony and the rest of their life is on their records, why can't they go back the other way where there's an opportunity here for them to clear their records so they when they apply for a job? It's not being held against them. Oh, you're a felon. And people don't want to hear that. Is that unbelievable? You know, it's not so much should people be found responsible and take responsibility for their actions. I mean, listen. Yeah, I mean, we've known so many people that'll go to a party. We know to have too much to drink. And they'll go home or they'll go to a bar. They'll have a poker game, whatever it is. And let me tell you, you don't need to have three drunk drivings, Murray. You don't need three OWIs to kill someone. I've had many people over the 20 years I've represented that will be a first-time drunk driver, get behind the wheel to be over the legal limit, get in an accident, and they'll kill someone. And let me tell you, that family doesn't care no, I know. that they got two or three priors. They just care that their loved one is dead. That's all they care about. Mm-hmm. But in terms of our new law here, it's three within your lifetime. So you could have one, you know, you could have one in 1972. You can have one in 1985. And now you just picked up a drunk driving. And there's no more rule that it has to be within 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's a felony drunk driving. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get back to what we were talking about with judges before and the time we have left is every judge it will interpret it different. Every j- prosecutor will have a different policy. So, for instance, you could get a drunk driving that has 10 years span between them. And now this is your third in, let's say, Washtenaw County. And they'll have a different perspective and they might do something different. Then in Oakland County, where Oakland County is not going to reduce it to a misdemeanor, where you get something like in Wayne County, they have a, a committee now, which is actually a great idea, that'll look and see on an individual basis, should we reduce this one down to a misdemeanor so it won't ruin the person's life? Because it will ruin their life. Oh, yeah. Now, someone might argue, listen, you get three drunk drivings, that's too bad. I mean, you shouldn't have the same privileges as the rest of us. Right. You've taken a risk too many times with people's lives, and you should never get your license back. You should be branded a felon. You should never be able to vote. You shouldn't get it off your record. And other people will say, it's too harsh. What are you talking about? I mean, we barely know I have a what the legal limit is now. I have a friend that happened to. Yeah. And this this friend of mine says, boy, this is so harsh. It's really hurting me through the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. You won't get it. Is I, there any way for these people to try and maybe re- turn the clock backwards? Or is there an appeal process for that? Well, it takes it out of the felony back to the misdemeanor? In any individual case, mm-hmm. you can have it where if you're charged with a OWI, a drunk driving, mm-hmm. that case is challenged. Whether it's a felony or misdemeanor, the exact same way. You gotta be able to have probable cause for the stop. You gotta have probable cause to have the arrest. And you gotta have uh, some admission of some type of, uh, chemical test or some, um, observance of intoxication. And so that doesn't matter if it's a felony or misdemeanor. But how about after the fact? After, after the, fact, the fact, you're convicted <clears throat> of the felony. Right. You're messed. That's you it. will not get that felony after record. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because it's a felony. Whenever you're convicted in the state of Michigan, and every state's different, but whenever you're convicted in the state of Michigan of any traffic-related conviction, drunk driving, driving license suspended, those are always going to be in your traffic record. Mm-hmm. You can't get those expunged. 
The only way he could have up until you used to be able to do what's called a collateral challenge, which means go back to the original conviction, whenever it was for that misdemeanor, and say that if you did any jail time and you weren't represented by a counsel, by an attorney like me or our office, that you uh, you can have that relooked at and see if you can withdraw your plea back then and therefore get rid of that conviction. What's but that is so hard to do. Expunge is what it's called. Well, basically, it's a collateral challenge right. to it. What basically means you're going out. So you're right going now. back to what you did years okay. ago and having a judge undo it. Let me tell you something. That is not an easy occasion. We've definitely done it, but that is not an easy situation. So what happens with these kids that are out there, these young adults that have that have these on their records for the rest of their life? There's no hope there? You know, I mean, a misdemeanor drunk driving is not the worst thing to no, be able to a get a job. but a felony. You get a felony, I don't care what it's for, a felony for a uh, assault with a dangerous weapon or a felony for a drunk driving, you're going to have that felony for the drunk driving on your record. Mm-hmm. You get a felony for any non-traffic-related offense, and it is something where you don't have any prior offenses and no subsequent offenses, then you call my firm, and after five years, mm-hmm. we can get it expunged off your record with the permission of the judge. Mm-hmm. So you call us at 1-800-7100. Can they get their license back? You're not only after five years. You can always petition the court to be able to get your license back, whether it's five years, whether it's three years, mm-hmm. once you're eligible which, with, with what's called DLAD, Driver's License Appeal Division, well, to be able to do it. I don't want to take any more time. It's Thanks okay, for Murray. Scott, Thanks for joining us. Those are always good questions. Great show. That's what we do here on Crime Time Live. We answer anybody's questions regarding criminal law. Man, I, I enjoyed today's show. I want to thank Murray and Denny for joining us because they always have good comments and good questions, and especially all our callers. You call us at 1-800-7100-LAW during the week, 1-800-7100-LAW. If you're listening online, coast-to-coast on TalkZone.com, or here locally, 848-248-848-1130. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to do exactly what Murray and I were talking about. We're going to talk about felonies and how to get them off your record. It is amazing. How people are affected their entire life by having these felonies. You might say that celebrities get more use out of it. They get more famous. But for the rest of us, we are just stuck with what we got. So call us at 7100 Law. This is Scott Weinberg on Crime Time Live. Have a good week.